this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. just pray one more time. Thank you, Lord, for your word that you speak to us this morning, that every heart here would be open, excited and soft to hear what you want to say to us. We do this all for you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Be seated. This light. This is for you. All your papers. (laughs) Most of working in the office on Tuesday is just printing things for Ruth to then shuffle through all the paper. No, I'm kidding. She's very tech savvy. (laughs) Although I actually, I was humbled because I was like, mom, you got to get onto Obama still takes notes with pen and paper and that I was like, all right, well, he's legit. He's fairly successful individual. So (laughs) once he gets onto the screens, then you'll have to. Yeah, oh, she uses both. She's hybrid, okay. Sorry, I haven't even started. I don't know I'm having a go at you. <laughs> Is the band done? You can sit down, thanks. How's Tim on the bass with the 90s rhythm? That was good. I love that song. We listened to it on the way here because Caleb's drumming it. And then we got on, then we're like listening to the old C3. Remember Prophesy and like that whole album, we were just like... And the girls are like, not this song. And then once it started, they were like, actually, this is pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. So, Unsung Heroes of the Bible. We're wrapping up this series. The small but powerful people. And today I'm sharing about Ananias. This is a story of courage, obedience, and fruit. So, first things first, there's three Ananiases in Acts. Ananias and Sapphira gave the dodgy offering and it didn't go well. Not touching that this morning. (laughs) Then there's Ananias who was like a high priest. He presides over Paul's trial later on in Acts. Different dude. This Ananias we meet in Acts chapter 9. And his story starts with Paul who at the time was known as Saul. So let's do some background. Acts chapter 7 We get the harrowing death of Stephen who preaches and declares the glory of the Lord as he is stoned to death for his beliefs. And Acts verse 1, we meet the young man who approved his execution, Saul, a Jew with Roman citizenship, a Pharisee. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. All Christians except the apostles were scattered. So that was really the moment in which they 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 had to they were they were under attack basically and and it, and it, a lot of it started with Stephen's execution and and Saul this guy Acts um, chapter eight verse three says Saul began to destroy the church going from home to home he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison which is not a small deal like that's that's major it, later Saul now Paul confesses. I was just as zealous for God as many of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death 
arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. He was a, a religious zealot. He thought he was doing the will of God. He was a highly religious, well-educated, trained up and just fiercely, fervently believed that the Christians, these Jesus followers, were something that needed to be stamped out. And he he made sure that they were. And he, he went after them and he threw he, he went into people's homes and took mothers and fathers away from their children and threw them into jail to see that they were murdered. Not a cash sort of guy, not a cash situation. And, you know, we, we see the effects of that kind of religious extremism today. People that are just utterly blinded and believe that murder and other heinous things are somehow the will of their higher power that they serve. And yet they're just so deeply misguided. And just an aside that I like, Acts verse 4 says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So they were completely under attack, like to their death, but they didn't stop. The, these Christians were like, right, we're going into hiding and we will not stop preaching the word. So that's just an inspiring little aside. So we get to chapter nine. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. You can read along on your phone or whatever if you want. I'm going to go through some good chunk of this passage, but it's on the screen. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues so that if he found any who belonged to the way, that's the Christians, men or women, even that is a big deal, like the women. It wasn't sort of like, oh, this is man's business. He's like, anyone, anyone who's going, um, I want them, like kill them. Like he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So now he's actively going, oh, I, I want to seek out, who, give me letters, who, give me names, give me contacts so I can find out more people to, to, to throw in prison. So he went on to Damascus on his journey to do this and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood speechless. They heard the sound but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Here's Ananias ready for this big moment. So we know from Acts um, 22 later that Ananias wasn't one of the Christians who had fled from Jerusalem into Damascus. He was actually a local because he had a good reputation with the Jews that were living there. So he wasn't on the run. He was just at home. It was, it was day to day for him. This, he's just chilling at home. And he heard from God. The Lord said his name, Ananias. That's what he said to him. He didn't launch into anything else yet. It was just his name. And the Lord uses our names. He speaks to us directly because he wants to speak to us directly. And sometimes that's all you'll get. You just get a sense of, oh, that's he's God. He wants, he wants me. 
And unlike Saul, who had heard a voice and said, who are you, Lord? He's like, I heard something. Who's that? Ananias didn't fall down in fear. He didn't ask questions. He wasn't trembling and shaking. He said, yes, Lord, which tells us that he knew this voice. He'd heard this voice before and it didn't leave him utterly sort of shaken. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that's God. I know that voice. Do you recognize the voice of the Lord when he speaks to you? Because God speaks to us in lots of different ways. He uses the Bible. He's given us all the Bible. He, he speaks to us through, through leaders and he confirms things through different sources. And you might read a verse and then open your phone and there it is again. And then someone says it to you the next day. And he speaks to us through all lots of different ways. But one of the ways he speaks to us is he speaks to us. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's like, it's hard to describe because sometimes it's an audible voice. I've, I've never heard that. People do it on occasion, but he speaks to our spirit. There's a, there's a, there's a voice when you, when you press in and you, you focus on God and you, and you look to him, there's a, there's a, there's a voice, spirit to spirit. And, and we need to learn that language. We need to, Make sure that reading the Bible or engaging with the kingdom of heaven isn't just an intellectual exercise. That there's something in our spirit that is engaging with the spirit of God. And he will speak to us. He wants to speak to you. He's given you a name and he wants to use it and speak to you. Sometimes it's not super specific. It's like just a sense of peace about a situation or or boldness about doing something or like, oh, okay, you get kind of a, a sense of, of God's sense for something. But other times it's, it's very specific, like a couple of words or, or something quite, quite tangible, you know? And that's for all of us. You know, that, I'm, I'm saying that with humility. I don't, you know, it's not like every day I'm like in the throne room and he's pouring out all these new things. To me. But like when I have that time to just push in and that discipline to just focus he can really speak. And, and I want to cultivate that appetite. I want to grow in that. I, wanna, I want to want that more, you know. And, and that's not like something special. Like, oh, she, she's saying she hears directly from God. Like, who does she think she is? I'm a Christian. I'm just a Christian. That's what, that's what Jesus died for. That level of connection, that's not special. That is so special. But it's... It's a gift for all of us. It's not just for the high prophets or the special leaders. Like, we can know his voice. Ananias knew the voice of the Lord so that when he spoke, he was ready. He was willing. He went, yes, Lord, I, I recognize it. I'm, I'm ready to hear. And we, we need to make sure that we're, we're the same. Because he was given an incredible opportunity. The Lord tells Ananias in verse 11... Go to the house of Judas and ask for a man named Saul. He is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So he's given a very specific instruction. And Ananias has a response. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. So 
I think that's quite a reasonable response. He's respectful, but he's like, okay. Um, so this is the same, just to confirm, this is the same, because I know the Saul I'm thinking of, he's killing us a bit. So just to check, is that what you, you know, but God is so very gracious with our concerns and our questions. And in fact, it's, it's very good to, if you have these things come up and you're like, oh God, I feel like you want me to go to Bible college or do that thing. And you're like, ah, I don't, I don't feel like I don't want to because of this reason, or I'm not sure about, he's not like stumped. He's not like, oh, well, I don't know. Don't go then. Or like, he doesn't hear from Ananias and be like, oh, you're right. Oh man. Yeah. He's a shocker. Okay. Don't worry. Just don't go. Like, He's not sort of, he's not bothered by it. It's, it, 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 we, we have an opportunity. He's so gracious to like work things out with the Lord. It reminded me of this parable in Matthew 21 that Jesus shares. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, the son answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He said, I will, sir. But then he did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first. It's better to hear from God and be like, Ugh, God, I don't know about that. Like, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, uh, really? Like, work it through, talk it out, bring those concerns before the Lord. Then to go, oh, yeah, okay. And then just like not do it. And it's the same with like leaders in the church or people that, you know, we serve alongside. If they ask you to do something and you're not sure about it or there's some idea and it's better to go, hey, I just, I'm not sure. I don't think I've got capacity for that. Or is there a way we could, you know, talk it through than to just be like, oh, yep, yep. And then just like not do it. That's disobedience. That's just sin. Like, but I just, I just appreciate God because I've had those conversations where you're like, Okay, I just, I feel like that's what you're saying, but here's my concerns. And he answers Ananias. He responds to him. He says, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. He's like, I've got a plan here. I know what I'm doing. But notice he doesn't give him full assurance. He's not like, okay, listen, I know that he was kind of killing you guys a bit, but he's not going to now. I promise you, you'll be a hundred percent safe. So will your family. This is exactly how it's going to go. And very often there just comes a moment where you have to yield. He doesn't usually give you the full picture of exactly how it's going to go. He may give you some sense of confirmation or encouragement or just peace about it. But I find there's a moment of just, you just have to like dive off the cliff. It's like jumping off that quarry. It's like, it's really high. Is it 10 meters or something? Caleb's smiling. Okay, it's not 10. How many is it? Five, whatever. It's one meter. It's really high. No, but it's super high. It's one of those jumps that like you jump and then you still don't touch the surface straight away. You're like, maybe I'm thinking of a different one. I've jumped off something very high in lake and I was in the air for ages. Okay. But you know, you can't, it's like you can faff around on the edge for a while and I'm sure some of them do. It's like, uh, 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 uh. At some point, it's like you're, you're, you're in or not. Like you gotta, you can't, there's no in between. You're down there or you're here. And obedience has that moment. It's like, okay, 
what you know are you going to do it or not like we can't he's 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 great he's like let's talk it through i give all right and then this person's confirmed it and you it keeps coming up or what and then it's like all right come on you just have to dive off the cliff and trust him with the outcome ananias he didn't know that that he may have well thought i i will be arrested here I will, I will pray for this guy. He's on his journey with the Lord and then I'll be arrested. Then I will go to jail and I may die. He didn't know that that wasn't the outcome. And sometimes we just have to work, walk towards the worst case scenario. I'm like, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen here? I could lose my job. Okay, well, if that's it, fine. That's okay. Like, you know, what's the absolute, all right, I don't know if this relationship will survive this conversation, but that I know that God wants me to have this talk, fine. If if that's what this costs, fine. This is, the obedience costs something. Sometimes it costs a lot. You see Christians throughout history who paid Big prices, but they're in heaven now and they're not like, man, oh yeah, it was such a shame I lost my job. Oh, I was an outcast for 40 years. Yeah, don't do it, guys. Don't, oh, that was awful. And they're like, just go dive off the cliff, dive off the cliff, like, and just walk towards, okay, this, maybe it's the absolute worst possible case scenario and that's what's going to happen. Usually it's not. Usually God's like, I got you. I, like, Ananias, I've got this, I'm going to work it out. Obedience and trust go together. You can't, they, they, you can't separate them. It's like you have to trust God. I, I love this verse in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And there's a certain peace that comes when you just decide to obey. And you're like, I'm not going to overthink it anymore. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm obeying God. And it's nice to yield your sort of brain to him as well. You know, it's like, I'm just doing it. I got to do it. So obedience, it increases our capacity. It gives us opportunity. It's a key tool that the Lord uses for personal growth. So make sure you don't resist it. It, it, it stretches us, but... It's, it's, all, it's all there is. Our life is but a series of days to follow the Lord. And if you resist him here and you argue here and you don't do it there, then what is your life? Like, this is all we've got. So let's obey the, the big stuff and setting your life up to follow God. And then the daily acts of obedience, of just, of yielding, of, of dying to self, of, of putting aside time to seek him, of, of being gracious and kind and gentle when you didn't want it. These it leads to a fruitful Christian life. That's what we're called for. I love this guy, Les Isaac. He, um, I heard him recently on it being interviewed. He was born in Antigua in the West Indies and was taken to the UK when he was about six um, under quite complicated circumstances. He endured some pretty challenging Stuff. His parents were divorced and he was experiencing uh, racism in London and he became, he was just hurting. He became involved in Rastafarianism and there's a whole spiritual side of that that can be quite full on and drugs and he was just looking for something and for identity. And he says how he was in a nightclub in the West End at 3.30 in the morning. He heard a voice speaking, you do not belong here. God was speaking to me, he says. And a little while later, he was hanging out in a park and smoking on a Sunday afternoon. 
and he met a Christian guy with a Bible. He spoke to me about Jesus in a very powerful way and I began a journey. God began to reveal himself to me. And he's got this whole cool thing about how he was born again. And he'd been in ministry for a while, but he began to feel called to something more in his in his ministry and he says I realized there was a massive gap between what I was doing as a Christian and the people I was trying to reach the nocturnal people he said when we're in bed having hot chocolate they're out they're alive they're buzzing there's a lot of problems on the street they need a pastor so he consulted with police about their most challenging times and established street pastors He trains up volunteers and they go out, they pray and they head out from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. They hit the streets, they work with law enforcement and nightclubs. The nightclubs love them. They're like, come in, do you want a cup of tea? Do you want, like, they just work with, they, they like dissipate violence. They pray, they're unapologetically Christian. They pray for people. He said a lot of people approach them. Like, they can go up to people, but so many people, and they, they always want to ask, like, are you being paid for this? And they're like, no, no, we're volunteers. And, they pray for people, people that are like sleeping rough or in vulnerable situations. He said, our secret weapon are the nans and granddads who volunteer. They, they're very good at de-escalating violence because like no one's going to yell once there's like a granny on the scene. They're like, oh, there's like an old lady here, guys. Like chill out. Like He has like 80 year olds on the program and they all wear these like mad vests. They look like a SWAT team and it says like street pastors on the back. It's really cool. Um, It's been operating for over 20 years. They have um, response pastors now for specific emergency situations and school pastors and rail pastors that just ride the trains and are on the stations just working with people. And it's all over the UK in 240 different locations. They're in the US and West Indies. Um, He received an order of the British Empire from Prince Charles in 2014. And all just because he heard this call, this sense of, Okay, I'm like an evangelist. I, I these are my people. This is where I'm from. I got to do more, and he did. And it was risky. It was dangerous. It cost him a lot. You know, he shares and he. I read this interview that he did with his son, and it wasn't easy for them as a family to have a dad that does that. Like he said very Britishly, it hasn't all been hunky dory. But look at the fruit, like incredible. And I just I love that. That's a guy that just heard the call and went all in, right? So Ananias went to Saul. Saul had spent three days in total darkness. He hadn't eaten or drunk. We know that he was praying. We don't know what was happening between him and God in those three days, but I imagine it was pretty profound. And Ananias was sent to draw Saul back to the light. Then Ananias went to the house and entering it, he placed his hands on Saul. And I'm so moved by his first words to him. Brother Saul, this guy had been murdering his people. He, he was the enemy. He says, brother Saul. He called him brother. He put his hands on him. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strengths. I just, I'm so moved by Ananias, his obedience in that, because he had every right to keep this guy at arm's length. You know, he could have, he could have executed what God had asked him to do, but like, okay, well, that's fine. I'll go and pray for the guy, but I mean, still Saul. Like, I'll just 
be a little bit suspicious, a bit wary, you know. He was this enemy who was also in an incredibly now vulnerable situation. Ananias could have come in with some real pride and status of like, well, 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 okay, you want a prayer, do you? Like, <laughs> look who it is. But he, obedience ultimately is the heart act, you know, like his heart was all in and he chose to see Saul just as Jesus did. And here there's just like, we're both just two broken sinners who need, who need the Lord Jesus, our savior. And, and you're, you're my brother, you know, you're, he's this broken, repentant guy who's praying, that's me, you know, brother, you know, and it's like Les Isaac's ministry, like that ministry doesn't work if he sees people with a certain pride or status or, you know, walk in the streets like, oh, look at you, what a mess. It's like, let's make sure we don't hold any kind of sense of prejudice or hierarchy or status around who's more worthy of acceptance of grace or love. And it's like, we're just all, it doesn't matter where we've come from, you know, we just, we're here all that the Lord sees is our, is our soft heart and, 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 and everything that comes before that is, is open to total redemption from Jesus. Sometimes the grace of God works upon sinners when they are at their worst and caught up in their most sinful lives, all the more glory in God's grace. And so what plays out is this miraculous conversion. God wanted us to hear this conversion of Saul to give us hope to build our faith, just like the healing miracles in the New Testament, he can do these again. And so let us hold faith for people in our lives that you're like, man, they are not close to the Lord. Like maybe there was a time when Saul was searching and open, but he has chosen his path and he is running down it. But God arrested him. God did something in his world. And let us pray those bold prayers for people in our lives. Don't ever just write them off or go, okay, I don't know. It's just, it's too far gone now. But it's like, that's my, I, I won't give up on this person because God hasn't given up on them. Until their final breath, there is always an opportunity. And so this is a miracle of salvation. And let us build our faith to see them again. See them in our generation. See them in our lives for our family and our friends. Why not? This is the same God that we serve. This is the power of the Holy Spirit to change somebody's hearts. And I really... I'm so moved by this because in Acts 22, Paul has now been arrested. He's had his ministry play out. And, you know, if you know about Paul, kind of a big deal. You can follow him, his journey through Acts. And uh, he's arrested and there's this angry mob. Now they're angry at him because he's a, he's a Christian too, you know. And uh, he tells his story of, of where he's come from and what he's done. And he says, these are Paul's words, a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law, law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see. This is like 25 years later. But Paul didn't forget the very words that Ananias spoke to him because they were spirit-led. Brother Saul. And, you know, we have people in our lives, especially that early time of 
When you're becoming a Christian and you're working out your faith, it's like, oh, I never forgot that conversation or that person or they said that thing over me. And it, it, it's profound, you know. I, I'll never forget the times that I was at youth with like Byron and I remember Tim preaching and, and Janelle preaching and I was like 12, 13 and like now our like kids are friends. Like it's such a mind trip, you know, but... It, there's something about those early stages of your faith that you, you, you're open, you know, and when this Holy Spirit is moving through someone and they speak to you, it can stay with you your whole life. And we have an opportunity to be used by God like that. It's spirit led. Don't get it twisted. Like you can't just sort of like, hi, you'll never forget this. You're special God. You know, it's like you, you can't cultivate that, you know, and I've sort of had people try to do that too. You know, they say something you're like, okay, thank you. Like it's not, you can't cr- create that moment, but when you're led by the spirit and you're like, okay, I just really, I just going to say this to you. I'm going to have this conversation. God's going to open up these things. Brother Saul, he never forgot it, you know, and that was the kind of love and grace that was mirrored in his whole ministry as a Christian. Only the Holy Spirit can change a heart like Saul's, but we have a part to play because God did the work in Saul's heart, but then he sent Ananias to come and, and lead him through, lead him into the light. And, and we get to do that. So let us be open. Let us be obedient to hear from God and to be, to be open to those moments and those opportunities. What is God going to use through you this year? Acts 1.8, and we're going to hear more about this this year. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Ananias didn't go, right, okay, here, so let's, I'm going to, it was all just like, all right, God, what do you want to do? I'll, yeah, what do you want me to say? What do you, you want me to put my hand on it? Fine, yeah, okay. And look what happened. Look at the fruit. Look at the ministry of Paul. And I just can't imagine the joy that Ananias would have had watching that over the years and hearing about that. That would have just been one little chapter in his life, but it, it would have been pretty cool to hear about what Paul was up to and, and, and know that he was there in those vulnerable early stages. Let us be excited about what God is going to do through us this year. Be open to the Holy Spirit to work through us. It starts with listening. It starts with, oh, yes, Lord, are you speaking? What do you, what do you want to say? What do you want me to do? Then it's obedience. It's acting it out. And it's the Holy Spirit moving through us, saying what he wants us to say. And you don't know. It's the jump off the cliff. You're like, I don't know. Is this, he going to freak out? I'm going to call him brother. Like, I think I'm going to call him brother. That, that's intimate. But like... It was just what his heart was ready to receive. And, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. So let's pray. Get the band up. Thank you, Lord God, that you sent your Holy Spirit to move on the earth, to speak to us. I pray that salvation miracles like Saul can still happen today. And I pray that we would be open to participating, just like Ananias. Speak to us, Lord. Help our ears to be tuned toward you. And I pray that you would help us to step out with full obedience, all in, Lord God, with total boldness and bravery, unashamed of the gospel. Thank you, Lord God. 
And if you don't know the Lord like that, if, if, if you don't feel like you, you know His voice, if you want to receive salvation like Saul did and have your life transformed, or if you just want to take a, a step closer to intimacy with Him, we can pray for you today. So we'll, we'll close the service and, and come and receive prayer and, and take a step toward Him because He wants to speak to you. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Cheese